0: Yeah, let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful that you are a faithful God. And Lord, if not for your faithfulness, uh, we would have been taken out long ago. Uh, we would have uh, struggled to the point of not even being able to move forward. And yet, Lord, you are faithful. And you've given us your Holy Spirit. You give us the strength uh, to keep moving forward step by step, day by day, no matter uh, what we're facing, uh, no matter the, the, the pain, no matter the challenges and even the sin within us, God, you, uh, you keep us moving forward. And so, God, we're so thankful, Lord, that you are a mighty God who the battle belongs in your hands. And, Father, we ask that in these moments as we consider your truth from your word, Lord, that we would lean in, that our hearts would lean in, that, that our hearts would be attentive. And, God, that you, as only you can do, would speak to us, Bring your truth that sets us free. Bring just the healing touch that we need. And God, where where we need encouragement, where we need comfort, where we need strength, God, we trust you to deliver. To deliver even now, God, in these moments, we pray through the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, our kids can head up to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And the rest of you can open your copy of God's indestructible word to the book of Hebrews. We will be in chapter 12 this morning. And uh, if you are new with us, we want to welcome you to Redemption Hill, whether you are here in the room or online. So uh, yeah, let's clap and uh, welcome all of our guests. We're so thankful that you are here and uh, we're excited. Uh, By not only what God is doing in our church and in our lives, but what he wants to do in every single one of us here this morning. Well, uh, this morning we are going to uh, spend some time in Hebrews 12. I believe it's going to be a super relevant encouragement as we come out of Easter weekend and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And thinking about what it looks like to be on our way to God's perfect city. And we talked about the the motivations for wanting to be there in God's presence forever last week on Easter Sunday. And today the message is going to be an encouragement to help us move forward with strength as we get to that perfect city. And so listen, wherever you are on your faith journey... Uh, there is going to be some encouragement for you as we open God's word, and uh, as as you turn there, I want to remind you what's going on in Boston uh, this weekend. Uh, not only did the Celtics, you know, start their their uh, run to the NBA finals, and uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I have intentionally made my summer plans uh, where the first part of June is free. So I can watch the NBA Finals. And then that second week and third week, whenever the Dugbo Parade happens, is opened up because I plan to be there. So if you want to join me for the Boat Parade, my kids, we're going to be there. You are invited. All right. So it's just, you know, so encouraging uh, to get the the, the, the NBA playoffs started. But then, of course, we're Bostonians, right? And this is Patriots Day weekend, which means tomorrow is... Marathon Monday, that's right. And and you may be well aware that tomorrow is the 127th running of the Boston Marathon. We're talking about the oldest continuous marathon in the world. It started back in 1897, picture this, with 18 runners. And tomorrow there will be roughly 30,000 entering the race. You know they will start in a town outside of Boston to the west called Hopkinton. And they will make their way through Ashland and Framingham and Natick and Wellesley. They will move into Newton where they will hit a sequence of five hills including Heartbreak Hill at mile 21. Then they will move through uh, Brookline on Beacon Street. They will pass Fenway Park tomorrow where the Red Sox will be playing the Angels and Kenmore Square and then finally make their way after a couple of turns to Boylston Street where they will see their path to the finish line at Copley Square amidst the cheers of thousands upon thousands is anyone going tomorrow to the marathon anyone decided come on come on people i mean we, we this is boston don't just watch it on you know wbz i mean can we can we get there and support some people because listen they are running 26.2 miles. Don't you think that's worthy of a little bit of encouragement? Come on, we gotta we gotta show up. We gotta show up for the people. And what I love is, you know, the, the marathon has, has progressed over the years, and it's a very inclusive race. Uh, there will be uh, wheelchair races for men and women at the very beginning. Uh, there is a, a division for uh, para-athletes and those that have different physical challenges and impairments. Uh, they have uh, their own, you know, division. And then, of course, the, the women's and the men's race, $150,000 goes to the winner. Of those two races, wow, a very, very exciting day in our city uh, as we prepare for Patriots Day and Marathon Monday. Uh, but, but you may not know if you're not avid marathon running fans. I'm not trying to pose today. I get excited on this weekend, but I'm not like following through the year, by the way. But, but, but what I've learned is that all eyes are going to be on my guy, Iliad Kip. He's a Kenyan runner who has set the world record multiple times for marathon distance. He has run an official time of two hours and one minute. And an unofficial time at the Berlin Marathon, maybe last year, where he clocked one hour and 59 minutes and 40 seconds. Now, now to put that into perspective, all right, just to put that into perspective for you, um, if, if you ran around a track, and, and that's actually not a super short distance, but if you ran 400 meters around a track and you ran that in 69 seconds, and then you did that 104 more times at 69 seconds, you would run the marathon in two hours. And if that doesn't amaze you, I'm not sure I'm feeling the amazement in the room right now. Um, If that doesn't amaze you, how about running one mile at four minutes and 37 seconds and then doing it 25 more times? I mean, this this is breathtaking. This is, is this, is this, human being a real human being kind of speed I mean just to you know just to be a little vulnerable here this morning um, you guys know I'm a basketball player and uh, I never I never was invited to be on the track team I was never even invited to be on the cross-country team. And the cross-country team always wants more people on the cross-country team. I mean, no offense if you ran cross-country. Cross we admire you and we are reminded of your, of your uh, tenacity and, 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 and perseverance as we watch the marathon tomorrow. Uh, but, but one time in my life, my sophomore year of college, your boy Pastor Tanner clocked under a six-minute mile. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor John. Started the golf clap for me. That's a golf clap. Some of you didn't even give a clap. That's okay. Um, But but, but this was was a phenomenal speed for me, 5.56. And there are only three reasons I did this, all right? Um, Number one, I trained, like, really, really, really hard. Number two, I prayed. And if you think I'm playing, I'm not playing. I was praying, all right? So I was praying. And And then number three, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but my my coach, our assistant coach, Tommy Wade, he may have even been lying because he didn't want to come back out to the track for the third time because I didn't make it the first time with a couple of other guys on the team. And so he might have just said, 5.56, 5.57, 5.58. I mean, who knows if I really ran a sub six-minute mile, but we're going to say I did, right? I mean, of course I did. So, so this, is, this is a phenomenal speed, four minutes, 37 seconds per mile around uh, the, the course of The Boston Marathon, that's that's what's before us tomorrow. I hope you will tune in. But but what we want to focus on this morning is this. Of course, we're excited, Patriots Day, Marathon Monday, the Boston Marathon. But but you, you, you need to understand that the Christian life is like a marathon. In fact, multiple times in the Bible, we see the Christian life compared to a race and not we're not talking about a sprint here but we're talking about a race of endurance this morning i want to help us think about the jesus marathon the jesus marathon with the encouragement listen don't stop running don't stop running. I mean, maybe some of you are new to the to the Christian faith, to Jesus and what he's done in his life, his death for you, his resurrection on your behalf, that through faith in him you can have life and start the race of faith. But today I want us to think about what does it look like once we place our faith in Jesus and we receive Christ into our life? How do we keep running in such a way that is going to bring us to The finish line. And this is what we read about in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Listen to this. The writer says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run. Let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. The encouragement I want to give you this morning is this. Listen, following Jesus is a marathon race. So, run with endurance. Run with it. Following Jesus is a marathon race, not a sprint, but there is a race. We're not talking about a 40 yard dash, and you can see the like, there is a race marked out, just like Hopkinton to Copley Square. There is a long race that is set before us in Christ. And a race, as you know, a marathon race, it requires effort. It requires determination. It requires a consistent, ongoing movement toward the goal. And that's what we're invited into when we say yes to Jesus Christ. I want to take you to a couple of other places in Scripture that talk about the Christian life being a race. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24-27. through 27. You want to write this down. It says this, Paul writes, Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. And then in Philippians chapter 3, uh, this is implied, the, the idea of a race is implied as Paul talks about pressing on. Listen, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Can anyone identify with that? Amen. Not perfect. Amen. Not You're not perfect, amen? That's right, you're not perfect. I am not perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, look at this. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Christian life is a marathon race. And if you're going to run a marathon, my friend Josh Wyatt, who I get a little envious of because he's that pastor that does it all, you know what I'm saying? Including running the Boston Marathon. He's going to have to have endurance tomorrow. And to run this race with Jesus, we're going to have to have endurance and so I want to give you three encouragements as to what it can look like, how you can run with endurance as you run this Jesus marathon. The first one is this. Look, be encouraged by faithful examples. Be encouraged by faithful examples. We see in verse 1, the, op- the opening words of chapter 12, when the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... And as my pastor taught me in college, this kind of corny phrase that's actually super helpful when we're learning to read the Bible. And you can apply this anytime you're reading the Bible on your own. Whenever you see the word, therefore, you know where I'm going? You want to know what it's there for. You got that? that was, that's a little hermeneutics for you, all right? It's like we, we want to understand why he's saying what he's about to say because of what he has just said. But but then he goes on, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and, and maybe you've heard this if you've been in Christ for a while, maybe you've heard this passage preached by others, and, and you start to hear this idea of, hey, there is a cloud of witnesses, and Ancient literature, a cloud would have represented a a, a large group of people. We might say a pack of people or a herd or a crowd, but but cloud was a word, a metaphor that implied a crowd of people. And so this cloud of witnesses oftentimes is pictured as hey, we're what? We're running a race, we're running this marathon race. And there is a cloud of witnesses that are kind of like in the stands of eternity. And they are cheering us on as we run. Now, listen, do we need encouragers as we run? Yeah. Absolutely, we need encouragers. In fact, this is one of my favorite memories in Boston. I was uh, with Pastor Reddy and Pastor Chastine and another friend who took us to the Patriots Day game at Fenway Park. And this was probably back 20, maybe 13. This was my first Patriots Day game and my, my only Patriots Day game at, at Fenway. Uh, but then also it was my first marathon experience. And so we, we move out of Fenway down to Kenmore Square. And I'm like, I'm taking it all in. I mean, there are marathon runners with, with costumes on. I mean, it's just wild what you're going to see. I mean, how do people run 26 miles in a costume? Just wild. But, um, but, but what I loved is... All of the, the spectators lining the streets and the, and the fences there are what? They're chanting, they're, they're, they're encouraging the runners as they go by. And if you know me, if you've been around me very long, you know that God has given me the gift of encouragement. And so this is like, this is my dream world. I'm thinking, like, we get to encourage these people. So what, what does Pastor Tina do? I, I start seeing this, this person run it, and I was like, the, the BIM number 286. So you know what I'm about to do: Two, eight, six. Two, eight, six. and I'm like two eight I'm getting other people two eight six. And it's, like, it's so exhilarating when you when they hear you chanting their number, and they look over and they kind of give you that smile. I mean, it really happens if you go to it. It's Like we need encouragement as we run, but I don't think that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. When he says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run. I believe what he's doing is this a witness is someone that has an eyewitness testimony. A witness is someone who has seen something that they can't unsee. And so when Paul is, is saying, We need to run, he first says, We need to consider that. There is a great crowd of people who have run the race before us, and they are our examples. They are our faithful examples. And if you, if you kind of like, Pastor Tanner, is this correct? Like, you're saying that it's not so much they are looking to us in heaven and cheering us on. That, that may be happening, by the way. To, to whatever degree the God, you know, uh, orchestrates and allows that. But, but the focus here is not them looking to us, but us looking to them. And we know this by Hebrews chapter 11. So I want to do something this morning that I don't think I've ever done in a sermon, uh, but, but this is going to be a great opportunity. I'm going to read Hebrews 11, all 40 verses... And I need your help. So if you have a Bible, open up to Hebrews 11. If you have a Bible app on your phone, open the app, find Hebrews 11. If you don't have either, it's cool. Just listen carefully, all right? Because what we're going to do is this, and I'm pulling a a page out of Pastor John Chastain's playbook. He did this one time uh, where we were reading through Hebrews 11 as pastors. And we were asking God to stir our faith. And he said this, every time we see this phrase, two words... By faith, that's where you join me in the reading. You got it? So every time you see those two words, don't read the whole thing, right? Don't read 40 verses with me. Just you see those two words, by faith, it's going to be an echo of a chorus of faith in this room. Okay, so here we go. So one, of the, one, of the, one of the key chapters in the Bible, by the way, says this, verse 1. Now faith... Is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, oh, you're on point today. Nice work. I'm gonna kick that again. Verse three by faith, we understand that their universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found. Can you believe it? Because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6 is so crucial. You might want to underline it. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God, that's what we're doing today, by the way. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah... Herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him, as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died. Country, Yes, that God's perfect city that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith. You're doing great. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Take note of that when we get to chapter 12, verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king... For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. What an amazing chapter. Verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? (laughs) For time would fail me to that. We just got through the first couple chapters of the Bible. That's what just happened, by the way. wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, therefore. Therefore, in light of all of these examples of faith from Abel to Enoch to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Moses and on and on and on. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these faithful examples, let us run. And so listen, I don't don't know if you're discouraged in life right now. But I I do know, I'm I'm a pastor, right? It's, it's, It's my privilege and responsibility to be in the know of what is happening in the lives of people. And I know that there's not one person in this room today whose life is perfect. And I know that there are some people in this room today and and participating online who they're really, really, really going through it. I woke up to a text message this morning with people, friends we love so dearly. And guess what? They're really, really going through it. We need encouragement. We need examples. We need examples from the Bible. Listen, there are are over a 1,000 chapters of examples for us to be encouraged. We can go to church history and read of of men and women who have followed Jesus imperfectly, but yet with all of their heart who were examples for us. And not only them, but there are examples today. Imperfect examples of people who were saying, hey, I want to follow Jesus with everything I've got. Listen, it's our privilege. It's our advantage to look to these examples. And, and, and don't think for a moment, listen, don't think for a moment that as you walk by faith, as you run the faith race, the Jesus marathon, that you aren't going to be that example as well. It's not, it's not just that you see faithful examples, but you are a faithful example as we run this race. That's the first encouragement. Number two, listen, run light by removing every burden. Run light by removing every burden. As, as uh, p- the writer goes on here, we see that they say this, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Now now, now here is, here is the second reason that I never ran track or cross country. Anyone know where I'm going right now? Come on, have you ever seen the uniforms that are required for track athletes? And, you know, it's like, hey, and, and that's it's cool. It's like, that's the thing. And you got to do that, right? Why? Because you have to, you have to lay aside everything that's going to weigh you down. You're not out running in vans on the track, right? You got to get some running shoes that are light. You're not running in your jeans and your jacket. You got to get some, some. And you know what I, I really thought about for like a nanosecond? Rolling in today in a track outfit, just to make the point. But I wanted people to come back to this church, and so I didn't go there. But, but you get, like, the point is you got to get light. You want to run light. When you see these marathon runners, the only reason that they have anything else on them, like a hat or sunglasses, is because that actually helps them keep moving forward. Otherwise, they would jettison all of that stuff too. We need to run light. And Paul uh, Paul may not be the writer of Hebrews, actually. The writer of Hebrews says a couple of things that we want to lay aside. First, he just says, very generally, we want to lay aside every weight. And what, is, what does this mean? Because is the weight what he then says next, and the sin that so easily entangles? It could be a reference to sin. Sin Missing God's mark, doing the things that God doesn't want us to do when God has said, hey, this is going to lead to life, and then we disregard what God says and we do our own thing, which does not lead to life. Okay, sin is a weight that pulls us down. But I think because the writer makes explicit the sin that clings so closely, I think the weight must refer to something else. You say, well, Pastor Tanner, what is that? Truth, truth be told, I'm not sure. But I think it's anything that weighs us down. And sometimes the, the writers of the Bible are so smart that they're intentionally ambiguous. They just know that there's a lot in life that would weigh us down. And so they're like, every weight, anything, anything that slows you down in the Jesus marathon, you got to lay it aside. And some things that, that come to mind is, as we run the race, maybe this will resonate with you. Uh, but, but one of those weights for us, especially in our culture these days, we talk about quite a bit at Redemption Hill, is what? Distractions. Listen, listen, if Satan can't, you know, get you to really move into blatant sin and really trip you up and put you on the sidelines for a while because you're injured and all of this in the Jesus race, okay, then he's probably going to just say, hey, you know what, if I can just get them distracted, this hour, that hour, if I I can just kind of, these things that are not necessarily bad, like, you know, all the sports and, and music and and recreation and going to springtime, going for hikes in the fells and all of the things. Listen, none of those things are bad. They're very, very good. And yet, if, if, if we're caught up with even good things, much less things that, that pull us down in an ungodly way, then these are distractions that Satan loves just to put before us to pull our eyes off of Jesus. But not only distractions, what about unhealthy patterns in our lives? Where we're, we're not establishing patterns and healthy habits and rhythms that would promote the life of faith. But there are just some patterns that are not so great that, that actually hinder us and pull us back. It's like putting a jacket on when we're running, trying to run the Boston Marathon. But not only unhealthy patterns. What about this? Unhealthy people. Unhealthy people. Listen, let, let me just, Pastor Tina, just for a minute. God, does God call us to love everyone? That's not a trick question. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. But does, does, does God say, like, here's, here's the path of wisdom. Surround yourself and spend most of your time with people who are not healthy. No. I mean, sometimes we, there, are, there are people in our life that, that aren't following God's ways. And they're, 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 they're just, they're not doing well and they have perspectives that are like weights on us in in by spending most of our time with them it's hindering us as we run the Jesus marathon and then we also have what unhealthy mindsets unhealthy mindsets this is this is maybe what is most prominent in the writer of Hebrews mind is that he's writing to a group of primarily Jewish people who had converted from Judaism to, to becoming Christians and they were still stuck in many of the old ways of their past in the legalistic tendencies of we have to offer this sacrifice and we have to participate in this day in order to be accepted and loved by God. And, and the writer is saying, look, that's gonna hold you back. That's gonna weigh you down. Lay aside every weight. And then he says, lay aside the sin that clings so closely. I don't think this needs to be explained very, very, in great detail. But we all have sin in our life. And there's a question, is this like one sin? Is this a particular sin? Is this sin like any sin? And, and my lean here is that it's referring to any sin in our life. But I I think this, I think there's something deeper that we need to see in the context of Hebrews 11, moving into 12, that there is actually a sin beneath every sin. And that sin beneath every sin, whether it's greed or lust or the pursuit of some kind of pleasure or jealousy, envy, anything... Is the sin under the sin, which is unbelief. Unbelief. You see, listen, the the reason that we will chase after the things that God says, you don't wanna go there, is because fundamentally we have the same problem that Adam and Eve did in chapter three of Genesis, where, where Satan is saying, if God really loved you, he would give you that. See how beautiful it is? Like you you know that's going to taste good, so you need to go take a bite. And so rather than believing God's word as what is best for us, we question it, we disregard it, we choose our own way, and we do not believe what he said. So, so the next time you find yourself struggling with a particular sin, know that the sin underneath that sin is the sin of unbelief. And, and, and Hebrews is saying, look, to run the race, it's the race of faith. And to run the race of faith, we need to take off our unbelief. We want to run light by removing every burden. And then finally, number three, and this is where it all comes together in the Jesus marathon. We, we run with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Look at, look at what it says here in, in verses 2 and 3. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Then what, it, to be redundant, consider him, verse 3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you might not grow weary or faint hearted. Why do you want to keep your eyes on Jesus? We get several reasons here. Number one, Jesus is the author of our faith. He is the originator of our faith. He is the one who gives us faith in the first place. He is the one who gets us into the race. And this word is rather deep in terms of its its connotations. It can mean that he is the leader of our faith. That he is, in the context of a marathon race, the champion of our faith. But he's not only that, he's also the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who has gone before us. He is the one who has run the race. He is the ultimate faithful example. So we keep our eyes on Jesus as we run. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. There was nothing more difficult in the Roman world than death by crucifixion. Nothing more. There was nothing more despicable or shameful than death by crucifixion. It was reserved for the lowest of the low, for the most heinous criminal. This is how Jesus died. And yet Jesus, because he had a race set before him, It says that he despised the shame, or it could be uh, worded, he scorned the scorn. The mocking that he endured, he mocked the mocking. He said, I am going to take on the cross because the cross is the path that through my death, I am going to bring life for the world. For you, sitting here, right here today, Jesus knew that if he paid the sacrifice for your sin, which has separated you from God, that you wouldn't have to pay that price through your death, but Jesus could be your substitute, running the 26.2 miles for you so that you could have life through him. He despised the shame. He sat down at the right hand of God. He endured hostility from sinful people. And as we look to him, as we consider him, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, this is the secret to endurance. This is the secret to not growing weary or faint-hearted. Just last weekend, I was doing my thing, assembly row and drinking some coffee and, you know, getting ready for Easter weekend and... I was I was walking back toward the parking lot. I saw this guy that I actually had seen in, in the coffee shop, and uh, I noticed his shirt. He had a he had a, a Colombian flag on it. And I've been chatting with a friend, new friend from Colombia, and so it caught my attention. And uh, I said, "Hey, are you from Colombia?" And we just strike up this conversation. And you know, one thing leads to another. It's Easter weekend, and you know, he's asking me who what I do. And so you know, we're getting into this conversation, and and so he discovers I'm a pastor. I invite him. He's actually here on Good Friday. But he asked me this question. He said, how do you get through tough times? And what popped into my mind was what? Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. How do I make it through difficulty? How do I make it through challenges? How do I make it through hostility? How do I make it through my own messed up heart? I looked at Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And so listen, wherever you are in your journey, whatever you're up against, whatever trials and challenges you are facing, whether they are external to you or they are internal with your own heart because of your own sin. Listen, here's the the good news. God wants to take you deeper and he wants to give you the strength to keep running the race. And so as we Bring our time to a close. I want to pray Psalm 119, verse 32 over you, which says this, I will run. I will run in the way of your commandments, God, when you enlarge my heart. You see, God calls us to run the race. But God doesn't just set a race before us. He gives us everything we need to run that. He gives us the strength we need. He enlarges our heart that we might run. So I just want to pray that over you. I want to ask you the places where you need endurance, the places where you need to fix your eyes on Jesus, that you would do that even now, that you would turn these matters over to him and say, God, help me, enlarge my heart. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for giving us faith to look to Jesus, to to trust you, God, with everything in our lives. And God, no matter what is happening, no matter what my friends are going through this morning, the challenges they face, the, the trials they are enduring, even their own struggle with their own personal just foolishness and waywardness and sin, Lord, that you want to help us through, God. You are a God of grace. You are a God of mercy and forgiveness. You are a God who strengthens us to continue running. So, God, we thank you and we celebrate you, Jesus, today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I really want to encourage you to do this. Listen, if if there's anything on your heart this morning that is really just, I need God's endurance. We want to pray with you, pray for you. Even if there's a, a sin, struggle in your life that you just can't seem to shake and you know that unbelief is a, listen, you don't, even have to name the, you don't even have to name it with these friends but just to say, hey, pray for me. I'm just struggling with unbelief in this or that way. Listen, we want to support you. We want to pray for you. So listen, as we stand and sing, come and pray with these friends as we draw near to God in these moments.